Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Delving past the headlines. Sorting through the media bias. And challenging you to use your brain. It's time to tap into the truth. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is indeed time to tap into the truth. Welcome to today's broadcast. Hope you are having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. want to uh, thank everyone for tuning in, listening in, especially those live. And I want to spend, uh, send a shout-out to uh, Lady Michelle for being in the chat room at the moment, and I appreciate you taking the time to uh, check us out, and I appreciate everybody that listens. Very hard to find time, and I'm well aware of how difficult it is to find time to do things like this because I've been under time constraints myself a lot lately. Uh, for those of you who have been regular listeners, you're very much aware of the fact that uh, my father's had some health issues in uh, recent months, and unfortunately, he has taken a turn for the worse. And at this point, uh, we are looking at an estimate of about two months uh, left uh, for his life expectancy. And that's, uh, of course, dramatic on the family. And because, I mean, it doesn't matter uh, how long you know something coming or if it's just all of a sudden. It's always a shock and it's always hard. But it also may forces you into a position where you have to reprioritize and at least when you do have some idea of what's coming on, you have that opportunity to make those changes and make those priorities. So with the additional time constraints there, it's difficult, uh, to say the least, uh, to make those uh, commitments to the other things that you have going on too. And as most of you who listened a long time know, that this is something that uh, I do uh, on my own. Uh, it's not... A profession for me, of course, you can probably tell just by listening. I'm far from a professional, but it's something that I feel is important. So I have a dedication to it, uh, not just for the folks that uh, listen on a regular basis, but for those that hopefully come across it either by accident or looking for something to uh, try and find fault with. 
in the hopes that maybe, just maybe, uh, we can reach somebody right now who hasn't awakened to the fact that conservatism is really the only solution to the mess that our country is in right now. Conservative values and a new moral reset for a compass is what we need. And uh, I want to thank uh, Lady Michelle for her comments uh, in the chat room right now. I, I I do plan on spending as much time as I can, and I appreciate and I appreciate the thoughts and prayers that several of you have sent them already, and I, I do appreciate all that. I also want to thank uh, Larry from over at the Prime Directive for being in the chat room listening in right now as well. Thanks, guys, for being here. And uh, what do you say we go ahead and get into today's topics? Uh, I want to discuss this whole debt ceiling thing. A lot of folks still don't seem to understand what the debt ceiling is. And you would think as much as it's been in the news and as much – Fighting and arguing and bickering and even the so-called government shutdown, which you know really wasn't much of a shutdown this past go around, other than the staff couldn't get out to the White House garden, which I thought was supposed to be Michelle's anyway. Right? The whole idea of a debt ceiling was intended so that fiscal responsibility could be held in check for our federal government, the idea being that we would set a limit. All right, if we're going to let you borrow as our government, if we're going to let you go borrow money in the name of all the taxpayers that we're, we, the taxpayers, are going to be on the hook for for paying back, we want to make sure that there is a limit. Now, there should be a level. It should be this is it. No more. Now, the bottom line is, is that it is a limit on the amount of money that the federal government can borrow. And as part of a deal to end the government shutdown back in October, the debt ceiling was suspended, not raised like a lot of us were told in the way it was reported, but suspended. And that was good up until February the 7th, which of course was a little over a week ago, right about a week. And the whole issue of raising the debt ceiling is fundamentally about Washington's addiction to overspending. Last year, Washington overspent its intake by $680 billion, and our national debt's now over $17 trillion. You know, if we don't change course, this debt is expected to exceed $27 trillion, uh, somewhere around 2024. And the problem is if we do change course, most likely it will be moving in a direction where we will have incurred even greater debt because they don't seem to understand how to put the brakes on. Now, people have called on lawmakers to work together to increase the debt ceiling responsibly with smart spending cuts and meaningful reforms to the biggest drivers of the debt. Members of both parties have agreed that the federal government must work to increase efficiency, eliminate waste, and reform entitlement programs. The debt ceiling should be a reminder to D.C. that it's time to live up to those promises and make responsible choices for America's future. 
This should be about our government behaving responsibly. That is what we vote for, what we elect representatives to go and do, is to be responsible with our money. We're going to talk about how fragile our economic recovery is and that we shouldn't hamstring it by uncertainty or continued government overspending in either case, depending on which side of the argument you hear. When Washington takes in record-level revenue but continues to run massive deficits, do we have a spending problem? Well, obviously not according to people like Barack Hussein Obama who are on the record as saying we don't have a spending problem. Once again, just another Democrat or social progressive who is out of touch with the reality of everyday Americans… In an effort to increase revenue, especially while increasing spending, uh, if you're ignoring the underlying problem, D.C., every politician trying to buy votes and influence, unable to live within its means. If any one of us was to run our personal budget the way these guys operate with other people's money, we'd be in jail. If the CEO or a board of directors for a major corporation was to deal with their fiduciary responsibilities for their stockholders, they would be in prison. Our government runs Ponzi schemes left and right. But this whole debt ceiling issue, they pretend like it's a big deal, and I wonder if… Is there someone somewhere in the House of Representatives that really would cut off the free flow of cash if we were to reach that debt ceiling? We all know the truth of the matter. The last go-around, the last arguments, it was all about we were unable to pay our bills without borrowing more money to do it. Well, last time I checked… Uh, Borrowing off of one credit card to pay for another was a recipe that you're well on your way to bankruptcy. I mean, I understand wanting to float a little longer, but shouldn't there be some level of requirements put in place? Not this time. I've heard every name in the book thrown at John Boehner over the last week when the House passed this bill that… Would once again not raise but suspend the debt ceiling. We can ignore it until after the midterm elections. That's what this was about. So, what was accomplished? If you're not going to stand on principle, why are you calling yourself a leader? I mean, really, why call yourself a leader if you're not going to make a stand on principle? They tried it. We had the shutdown. And unfortunately, uh, John Boehner, along with several other establishment Republicans who don't spend enough time in their district to know what their constituents really want or think or care about, 
They sit back and they live and die based on poles, and they're living inside the beltway. And outside of the beltway, things are different. But inside the beltway, and I've got to tell you, this is where we have the disconnect with our elected politicians. They believe the polls there. To them, the, the adage of perception being reality, that's true to them. They plan campaigns around polls. They plan their futures in politics around polls. That's a big reason why we need to do away with career politicians. We've got to stop voting for politicians. We've got to start drafting Everyday citizens, guys and gals that we know in our neighborhoods, in our part of the street, somebody from our county, and we know they're the people. They don't necessarily want to do it, but they'll answer the call. They'll go, they'll serve, and then they'll get back to their lives. That's the people we need to start electing. It's hard to find those folks because of what politicians have turned the political game into. Did John Boehner sell out the GOP like I've heard it stated? Did John Boehner just sell out the American people? I'm inclined to say yes, but I don't think he sees it as a sellout. In fact, I think he sees it as a way of trying to save and preserve the Republican Party because to him, the polls that said the Republicans got most of the blame over the last shutdown… To him, that's terrifying. To him, that's his political capital. That's how he stays in power. That's how he stays in office. That's how other people that elected him speaker stay in their positions as well. So I'm, I have no doubt in my mind that John Boehner honestly believes that he was protecting the Republican Party. What I would ask Speaker Boehner to do is to get outside of the beltway for a while and talk to average, everyday Americans. Because the last government shutdown, <laughs> I had to interrupt. Uh, Lady Michelle made a very uh, clever clip in the chat room. Uh, the only message uh, for Boehner is, uh, what time does the bar open? And you're probably right, being the son of a barkeep and uh, someone who likes to cry a lot. Boehner hasn't won any political points with a lot of actual conservatives, and, and it, the same thing is echoed here locally uh, here in Tennessee with Lamar Alexander. Lamar Alexander is living in denial of the fact that he seems to think he's a conservative. A lot of people are really starting to spout the dangers of having these incumbents primaried out by Tea Party types, thinking that you have a conservative vote, and chances are all you're doing is opening up a seat to a Democrat. But what's the difference? If the guy you have in there is a rhino, it's better to run with somebody that's actually going to stand on principle. The principle here is the GOP is supposed to be conservative. It's supposed to be financially responsible. 
What's financially responsible about kicking the can down the road? Speaker Boehner needs to get in touch with the actual everyday Americans who are on the hook to continuously pay this bill. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This government shutdown we had last time affected very few people. In any significant way, and most of them happen to work for the government. And while it's never a good thing that anybody misses a paycheck, especially in this economy, as far as when it comes down to it, if you're an individual and you take a job working for the government, any public sector job, then you should go into it knowing, number one, you're being a public servant… And that your position is always at risk. I mean, we all – I know growing up, I always heard, hey, the job to get is working for the government. You want to work for the city, or you want to work for the county, or you want to work for the state. And heaven help you if you can get a job with the feds because they pay great. You don't, even, you don't even have to have a union. They just pay you. Most of them have unions these days, especially the uh, bureaucratic positions that are supposed to be non-political. But neither here nor there, the bottom line is you should walk in to those positions understanding that budgetary issues can cause you to lose benefits, can cause you to have to have reduction in pay. No, nobody wants that. And I'm certainly not saying that the people that do hard works in the public sector, police officers, first responders in particular, school teachers for that matter, if you work in the public sector, you're doing hard work, especially if you're doing it right. Tough jobs, and you deserve more than you could ever get paid. But you're doing this job because you know, number one, it's tough. It's obviously had to be a passion for you at some point. But each and every one of you should be smart enough to know that you can't count on the government to make these big promises that are always going to continue to improve and continue to improve and continue to improve. Yeah, ideally, you do a job for a while. You do it well. You expect raises. You hope for raises. You probably deserve raises. But when your paycheck comes from the taxpayers, you should have a different set of expectations. You should be going into that job knowing and understanding that up front. And that's not a knock on anybody. But here is the big knock. Speaker Boehner and several of the other establishment Republicans passed this through knowing that it would sweep through the Senate without any issue and knowing that Barack Obama would actually take time off 
from his golfing vacation to sign it, which is what happened yesterday, in case any of you listening have not heard that yet. He took time off from, surprise, surprise, another golfing vacation. But what was really accomplished? Now we have until after the midterm elections before politicians have to start standing up and making tough choices. We finally have a budget of sorts, and we're going to ignore the fact that budgets require fiscal responsibility, that we do need to have reforms. I don't think there is a person out there that doesn't recognize the fact that there are people in this country that need a safety net. The problem is there's way too many people taking advantage of the system, working the system, so that they don't have to go out and do things. They don't need the safety net. They're just not willing to go out there and earn their own living. Those are the drags on society. Those are the people that are pulling the system down. When you start working the system instead of letting the system work… Then you're destined to have negative effects. We've talked about Cloud and Pivens before, and I have no doubt that there is a ton of folks out there loving this effect. We've discussed in the past globalists, eugenicists, and the so called progressives, some of which actually fall into all of those camps who do have a very different agenda for this country, who want to see the collapse of the United States as it exists today because they want to see that no one is left clinging to the ideas that were first expressed in this country through the Declaration of Independence and attempted to be cemented in our Constitution. Now, if anybody would like to call in and make a comment in regards to this whole debt ceiling issue, you're, of course, welcome to do so in the next little bit. You can give us a call at 347-426-3550, or you can call toll-free at 888-287-5313. You can get through via Skype as well, but I've just about made the decision to stop accepting Skype calls because it always seems to just be pranksters calling in on Skype these days. But at any rate… I would love to hear anybody's uh, take on it if they wanted to make a comment about this. But ultimately, to me, while John Boehner probably was doing what he thought was the right thing to do to protect the GOP, I wonder if he thought for a second what was the right thing to do for America. We all know, those of us who are paying attention, those of us who actually look at the numbers… The argument we already have was a false argument. There would have to be cuts in spending. Heaven forbid that Barack Obama should have to do his job that he's supposed to be doing as the occupier of the White House. He's supposed to be the president. Heaven forbid that he should do his job as the chief executive and make decisions and make cuts in the budget. How terrible that would be. 
how terrible it would be for the House of Representatives to get together and actually take control of the purse strings as they are constitutionally required to do. Not just have the authority, but are required to. Where is our leadership? I can't help but wonder if these people keep forgetting that it's called public service, and it's called public service for a reason, because you are supposed to be a servant to the people. As a servant, you are supposed to be submissive to the people you represent. We expect a certain amount of leadership because we have cut you apart from the rest of the group. We have selected you, and then you are supposed to be our voice while you're there. But again, what was really accomplished? Just open up another blank check. Go spend what you want. There's no restraints. Take in more. Raise our taxes again. Hire more people so you can raise our taxes. Take over our lives through plans like Obamacare. And still, are any of us any better off? We're one step closer to looking like cities like Detroit all across the country. Detroit was once a Fine city, a testament to American ingenuity and capitalism. In the next segment, I'm going to be talking about the the United Auto Workers vote in Chattanooga and how that played out. But that's kind of interconnected to this particular process as well because… What we have seen is a lack of leadership and a lack of focus on the things that are best for the American people. Now, I personally am kind of torn between what the role of a representative should be when it comes to certain issues. Now, there may be times where they are dead set convinced having intel… Or having information that the rest of us do not have, that if they generally know something is a better choice for everyone and the constituents just don't know about it. Or there may even be times where something is immensely so much better for the rest of the country that may be bad for your folks at home. In those occasions, I'm willing to concede you might occasionally have to ignore the will of your constituents. But that has to be an extreme circumstance. It has to be an extreme case, and you certainly can't continue to make promises spending other people's money and keep kicking the can down the road and ignoring the real problem. Washington, D.C. right now receives more than enough money to run the government if it would stop increases in spending. If it would stop baseline budgeting, if it would stop its incessant need to get the little tendrils into every aspect of Americans' lives. The very fact 
that Barack Obama signed this debt ceiling extension into law while on a golfing vacation, and I'm sure by now all of us have pretty much lost count of how many that makes. Well, he's out in Southern California. This particular debt limit measure allows the government to borrow money to pay its bills. It's how it's being depicted in the media. It allows to borrow money to pay its bills. It can pay the bills. Now, the measure passed the Senate 67 to 31 was sent to Obama. Everybody keeps saying that most likely this would have sent the stock market into a nosedive if it hadn't passed. Most of the media is also making a big deal that uh, in a separate piece of legislation, uh, they also added back into the budget an annual cost of living increase for veterans that were age 62 and younger to 1%, one percentage point below the rate of inflation, kind of that beginning uh, in 2015. Now, this measure, of course, was designed to hold the line on the soaring cost of government benefit programs, which have largely escaped trillions of dollars in deficit cuts over the past three years. Now, there's an important reason why they keep reminding everybody that he signed that as well. Got a call coming in from uh, Larry over the Prime Directive, so I'm going to go ahead and let him in. Sorry I didn't get to you a little sooner there, Larry, but I was – I had the chat room in a separate window today, and I was bouncing back and forth. So uh, you're on the air, sir. Okay. Good afternoon. I want to make a few comments about the debt ceiling that I've probably made many times before, if I may. Go right ahead. Okay, first of all, they're borrowing money to cover the deficit, but there's really no reason they have to borrow money if there's not enough revenue to cover the expenses. They could just go ahead and print it. The Treasury could just issue new dollars, and there'd be no interest. The only penalty would be we'd have inflation since there's more dollars in circulation. We went to fiat currency a long time ago and stopped using real money, so there's really no reason they can't do it. The problem is they borrow this money from the Federal Reserve, and the Federal Reserve is what actually creates the money, and then they have to pay interest, and it condemns future generations to pay interest in perpetuity. There's no way mathematically possible to pay off the debt. So, in fact, they're selling the current generation and all future generations into slavery to pay interest to a global banking cartel and getting nothing for it. It's the modern version of slavery, the modern version of feudalism, and they've got to know what they're doing. They planned this thing back on Jekyll Island over 100 years ago. And more and more people are starting to wake up to this fact. But uh, there's still so many more people that need to be reached with this information that it is uh, at now the best way of putting it a form of indentured servitude. But in all honesty, the word slavery is the correct word. Well, the thing about indentured servitude, there is a finite period of time 
that you'd work to pay off that indentured servitude, and then you were free to go. With slavery, you're never free. Now I'm going to... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Post in the chat room right now an article I wrote two years ago. Okay, so the URL should be visible right now, and that explains why it's mathematically impossible to pay off the debt and what it's all about. It can only grow bigger. I I don't know if I want to read that whole article, but I posted it so people can go ahead and read it. But it it goes on about what is real money. Real money actually has certain characteristics. Number one, there has to be a physical law that limits how much can be in circulation that no one can circumvent. And certainly, if you're using something based on gold or silver, there's a physical amount of gold and silver that can exist, so that's real money. The other thing is there has to be some kind of physical law that limits how fast new money can be created. And with your traditional gold and silver, that's real money. There's a limit on how fast you can dig it out of the ground and refine it. And, of course, you have to put work into it to create it. Now, with this fiat dollars, it's not real money because you can just push a button, put some numbers in the computer, and you don't even know if the system's honest. And shazam, you just got more of the stuff. So the Federal Reserve is creating it out of absolutely nothing and pretending that it has value, so they lend it out at interest, and they control the interest rates because it's a monopoly. It's a banking cartel of international bankers, and we have no control over it. And then they go and pretend like it's a government agency by putting you know, nice fancy buildings out there, having a chairman of the Federal Reserve appointed by the government, and approved by the president and Congress, and they go through the charade, but it's just a total charade. It's just smoke and mirrors, and as soon as someone realizes that there's really nothing there, like the man behind the curtain, then the whole thing collapses. Now we have this thing called bitcoins, and bitcoins actually have all the characteristics of real money. Real money usually has tangible value, like gold and silver, but there's nothing that says it has to have a tangible value other than being money. And the other characteristic that I hadn't mentioned, it has to be fungible. That means you can subdivide it and mix it, and each unit is identical to every other unit. So 
these cryptocurrencies apparently have the characteristics of real money, which is why the government is doing everything they can to wipe them out and circumvent any method of trading them or converting them. And meanwhile, the thing goes on, and the Democrats and Republicans pretend to be opponents just like a professional wrestling match. You have to have these wrestlers pretending to be bitter enemies and slamming each other into tables and gouging eyes. But at the end of the day, they're all buddies. They all go out and have a drink together and chuckle about how they put on a good show for the public, and that's what these politicians do. Boner is just another one of the cronies. He's just another one of the crowd. He just puts the Republican hat on. But they're all the same. They're all a bunch of crooks as far as I'm concerned. I thank you for my opinion. <laughs> Letting me express <laughs> Uh, you're uh, always welcome on the show, Larry. I appreciate it. You do bring a very good perspective, uh, and uh, I love the fact that you don't hold anything back. And FYI, I went ahead and uh, took the link from the chat room and put it in the show description. So now if anybody comes across the show in the archives later on, uh, you'll be able to follow the link from the show description as well. So thank you uh, for the link in the chat room, sir. Yeah, and I hope you can follow that reasoning. If something's not clear there, maybe if you let me know, I can try to rephrase it so it's more clear. But I think if you work through the mathematics of it, it will become evident that this debt can never be repaid and people are being enslaved. The only way to really deal with the situation is just to totally wipe it out. And incidentally... Isn't that what the Muslims do, the, the religion of peace? The, the, they start trouble all over the world. But the one thing they seem to have going for them is they don't allow long-term debt. I think, isn't it after seven years, all debts are redeemed or obliterated so they don't get themselves into this predicament? You know, I, I don't know the details on that, but I do know that their entire system is one of dominance – and uh, I know that most people who really think about it, if you want to be the dominant party, you cannot be indebted to anyone. So I, I, I know there is a, a limit to their debt, and I know there's also a limit to how much debt they're supposed to have individually, and it's punishable. And, and of course, in Islam, most of the punishments are far from pleasant. Uh, well, that's an interesting thought that… They want to be dominant, and you can't be dominant if you have debt. Yet the United States, in theory, they claim they want to be dominant and dominate all the world, and yet they also want to be the biggest debtor nation. Now, you know, it, it, again, it goes back to uh, the globalists we were discussing just a little while ago. These banking cartels are concerned more about being individually dominant as opposed to the government being dominant. Our whole system was based on the concept that the people would be in charge, and as long as they are, then they can't be. So and, again, if they get us individually into, I don't know, thousands of dollars in debt through credit cards and what have you, then individually we suddenly were working to pay them off. And then through ideologies taught by Coward and Putin, if the whole idea is to crush our political system to destroy our government, there's no better way than by destroying the economy first because all kinds of calamities happen uh, once our dollar is deemed to be as worthless as the fiat currency really is anyway. And you, you mentioned Cloward and Piven, which is certainly 
a part of the strategy, but there's also the companion strategy known as UN Agenda 21, which teamed with Colored and Piven just totally obliterates any kind of liberty that people have. Now, again, it's it's what's most upsetting to me is a lot of this stuff is common sense if you can understand basic math. And how long has our public education system been under attack by these people to the point that approximated math is now an accepted practice in almost every state in this union? It's it's not important that you have the correct answer just as long as you can show your work. If you can show your work, how are you getting the wrong answer? There's also the story that came out recently about a quarter of the people don't know that the earth revolves around the sun. So when you have that level of education, then it's pretty easy to manipulate people. They say that all this cold weather going on is because it's getting warmer. And I heard that too. It's uh, climate change is causing uh, erratic weather and extreme weather. And ultimately, I think most reasonable people know and understand uh, our climate is an issue of cycles. We go through these cycles, and actually solar cycles have more to do with heating and cooling on the planet than anything that man has done to the planet. And now, that's not to say that if there's something we're doing that's really, really bad for the environment, that we shouldn't be responsible and take care of our planet. I think we have a responsibility to be good stewards. But by the same token, we need to understand what the impact is and stop letting people control political issues hiding behind environmental ones. Yeah, well, this cold weather is nothing new, even though they present it as such. I have a picture from 1968 somewhere about digging out a car that was buried in snow. You know, I can remember there was one week in Ithaca, New York, that it never got above minus 20 Fahrenheit, which is pretty cold. That's at the point where you don't even feel the cold because everything is numb. Right. Yeah, there is a certain point where it, you don't feel a difference. You just freeze a lot faster. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know, it, it's still just it, – it's mind-numbing to me the fact that this is being portrayed as far as raising the debt ceiling. Or actually, the proper terminology that's being used now is suspending the debt ceiling, which in essence really doesn't mean they've raised it. They're just going to ignore it. And I think that's – uh, part and parcel to take another step towards just eliminating it completely. And at this point, what difference does it make, to paraphrase a certain former uh, Secretary of State? Uh, <laughs> what difference does this debt ceiling make when all they do is raise it every time they get close to it anyway? We've got to stop borrowing money to try and service the debts and just start taking care of our budget based on what we're taking in. Why is that such a hard concept to get people behind, even even liberal Democrats that aren't part of the so-called progressives camp? The guys that are out there that just – they're decent enough folks and reasonably intelligent. They just have a different opinion about what the role of government should be. Why is it so hard for us to get through to those folks how important paying the debts and cutting some of the spending is? 
Well, people have been brought up now that debt is the way you'd get things done. You borrow money to do things rather than save money. Even though if people would read Bill Gates' biography, they'd know that he made Microsoft into a powerhouse and made himself at one point the world's richest man or at least the richest American by not going into debt. He went against everything he would have learned had he gone to business school, and he didn't go into debt. He plowed all the profits from the company back into growth and managed growth and didn't try to grow any faster than the company could grow with the money it was taking in. And he also gave employees a stake in the company by paying part of their salary as stock rather than as outright wages and salary and as a result of that Microsoft not only became the powerhouse but the stock became publicly traded not because they needed to sell stock to take in money but because they needed an open market so that employees that had stock in the company had a market to trade it to give it value because if it wasn't publicly traded they could have the stock and it wouldn't have any real value so the Bill Gates biography is a lesson that you can become successful by not going into debt. And I think that falls with a lot of the other technological companies. People think of them as being successful because they innovated, but innovation was only a part of it. In fact, Microsoft didn't really innovate so much as they bought or stole other companies' property and made it their own. Even companies like Apple, you say Apple's an innovator, but what Apple had to do, besides doing innovation, they brought in an expert on inventory management and got their inventory system under control so they didn't have any buildup of inventory that became worthless. Because it's just like selling bananas. If you've got an inventory of bananas, you've got to keep turning over that inventory before it spoils. And that's the same with computers. Computers don't technically spoil, but they become obsolete very quickly, or the components that go into them become lower in cost so quickly that you can't manage to hold on to an inventory, and you also can't get caught short. So technology isn't necessarily razzle-dazzle, it's the mundane things like minding the books, keeping the inventory under control, keeping your expenses under control, and all the things the government does not do. I worked as a contractor for the government, and I saw just the waste was totally incredible. And I'm sure that's the case throughout the whole government. They'd even buy you know, truckloads of computers and just store them away for some time in the future, and by the time they ever got around to using them, if they did, they were totally obsolete because they didn't manage their inventory. All they cared about is spending more money so they could get more money. If you're in yeah, private... In the, to, uh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say getting back to that baseline uh, budgetary issues where if they don't get it spent, suddenly they can't justify getting that same amount again. That's exactly... And in government, you get ahead by spending more money, getting more money, and getting more employees under your control. And that's how you get promoted. In a private for-profit industry, 
you get ahead by becoming more efficient and getting more done with less. So anything the government does is, by definition, inefficient and wasteful. I, that is really the only thing, especially our federal government, is really, really good at, and that is wasting money. Uh, why anybody would ever want them to be in charge of anything in particular is beyond me. But uh, again, I, it's still, I keep coming back to the same question because I know some really smart people. I've never understood. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The disconnect between the National Democrat Party, which is almost all socialists and progressives at this point, and local Democrats. I'm sure you know some Democrats in uh, uh, Virginia. Uh, I know several Democrats here in uh, East Tennessee, and you know, great people, well-meaning, smart, reasonable. But I still can't understand why these relatively patriotic folks that want to do the right thing still fall in line with this national party that so obviously is working counterproductive. To what's best for America? I just I can't seem to get through to them, and I can't even make the connect. So I mean, what is the disconnect? Where is this coming from? I can't figure it. <laughs> I asked that question of of a candidate. It was a black candidate running for governor in Virginia. Or actually, I think maybe it was lieutenant. No, it was lieutenant governor. Why black people vote Democrat all the time? They think consider it their party, but that was the party of slavery. That was the party of bigotry. That was the party that kept them what what the racists would call in their place. All these people like Lester Maddox, Bull Connors, and all the names that sound familiar from the 50s and 60s, they were all Democrats. It was the Republicans that brought about civil rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that entire part of our history is being kind of whitewashed, and you have news organizations like CNN and, well, I don't even know if I should call MSNBC a news organization, quite honestly. But we, we have folks like that in media. I'll call them a media outlet uh, for MSNBC. Because they are at least media, uh, entertaining for their little cabal, I'm sure. But uh, they constantly try and whitewash and change the outcomes. I have officially seen reports where they were talking about Lincoln and 
in their graphic put a D at the end of his name, like he was supposed to be a Democrat when Lincoln was the first Republican president. And uh, the uh, governor of Alabama, his name escapes me right now, but he was the one that stood at the University of Alabama trying to keep the black students from enrolling. Uh, was that Wallace? The, yes, sir, it was Wallace. I don't know. I just I kept drawing a blank. But I saw they were doing a report about uh, former Governor Wallace uh, in re- reference to the civil rights, and they put an R uh, behind his name when he was a Democrat. Yeah. So they have these people trying to implant these ideologies, knowing that eventually enough of us folks who have been paying attention over the years are not going to be in a position to reach these younger people. And I'm afraid this is an attempt to try and control that level of thought. But why even go through those hoops when it's so obvious that all we have are… Uh, socialist progressives and socialist progressive light. We don't really have Republicans and Democrats anymore. And honest to goodness, Democrat, I'd take every day of the week because, again, that's just somebody that I have a philosophical difference about what the role of government should be. They weren't un-American. They weren't trying to destroy the country. They just thought government should be a little more involved in trying to help people. Their idea of what helping was was a little different. Those people you can talk to, you can debate with, you could keep in check a, a little bit through the checks and balances and not go overboard. But these progressives, their whole agenda is to destroy the Constitution, and I can't seem to get people to understand why that's even important anymore. I mean when we're preaching to the choir, the folks that are constitutionalists, that are on board, that want to preserve, who understand individual liberty and what the costs are… No problems there, but for the youth, these younger kids that don't get it, trying to explain this to them is like speaking a foreign language. I mean I might as well be just dropped down in the middle of a crowd from another planet, and that's what concerns me more than anything. At any rate, I'm going to go ahead and switch gears a little bit now. Larry, you're welcome to stay on the line if you like. We'd like okay, well, I think I, got to, I think i got to run now, so I appreciate the time, and I'll, I might have to catch the rest of your show on the recording. All right, sir. Well, I appreciate you calling in, and I, once again, thanks for being on with us. I always love to have the interaction with callers, and uh, you, sir, are always welcome here. Okay, okay you're welcome. Bye. Bye, sir. All right. Uh, I did want to go ahead and switch gears as we're heading into the uh, second hour of the show, and wanted to talk about this uh, UAW vote uh, down at the Volkswagen plant in Chattanooga. This, of course, was a big deal here in the state of Tennessee. Tennessee has been on the cutting edge as far as uh, drawing automotive business into the South. Now, we're far from the only state that's gotten uh, automotive industry into the southern states, but Tennessee has probably had a little more success than several others. We have the Nissan plant, which is, uh, according to what I've heard and seen, it's considered to be one of the most successful plant operations in all of North America. Uh, Volkswagen, of course, came to Chattanooga a few years back, and which actually even brought uh, some business right here to 
uh, my beloved Rome County as uh, they move a parts uh, placement facility uh, right up here in one of our industrial parks that's uh, close to the Rome County, uh, Loudoun County line. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with the area, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you listening for outside of the area, uh, you probably would not know even if you saw it on a map. So I'll get back to the meats and potatoes. It amazed me how much action there was over there. Anytime unions talk about coming to the South, that's always been considered to be a taboo subject. You know, that we are the land of the union busters. We are the land of anti-big labor, or at least that's the perception, although there are several successful unions that operate in and out of several southern states. Uh, we aren't anti-labor here, but we are mostly conservatives, especially in uh, Tennessee. For example, uh, Tennessee has become an extremely red state. So much so that uh, you know, just uh, go along the get along Republicans like Lamar Alexander are no longer sufficient enough to represent us in the U.S. Senate. And I'm afraid that uh, Chattanooga, Bob Corker, may find himself in a similar situation uh, when his reelection time comes up. But this was interesting because for better than a week, this became a major debate within the state. We literally had people that had nothing to do with automotives, the automotive industry in any fashion, and some of which don't even own a car, that were weighing in. They were calling the local terrestrial radio talk shows. They were writing letters to the editors in the local newspapers. And everybody had an opinion, but so many folks that didn't have a dock in the fight were trying to call up their congressmen and their senators and their mayors and even the governor here, sending emails, making phone calls, harassing the offices, demanding that they get involved and stop it from happening. Well, they're entitled to their opinion, of course. There's nothing wrong with – not wanting uh, a union like uh, the United Auto Workers Union to get a foothold in the state. I mean, we saw what happened to the Saturn plant. I mean, Saturn was one of the first. Set us up for them, benefits wise and you know, pay wise, and they had a great bonus plan that was based on efficiency and making better numbers than the year before. And, you know, that works great for the first couple of years, but once you set your bar higher each year, after a while it starts getting harder and harder to reach that bar. And that's when the union managed to get in. We can guarantee you that we're going to get you these raises. Well, you know, quality at the plant's and pride in the workers, all that seemed to disappear after the United Auto Workers got in. I mean, people hardly even mention the Saturn facility when it comes to Tennessee's automotive history now.
But despite having the right to have your own opinion, why would you get into the fight to the point of calling politicians and demanding that they get involved? Because first of all, we are talking about Volkswagen, a privately owned company. You know, it is a for-profit company. It is not a government entity. And we're talking about American citizens, individuals who have the right to choose. And Tennessee is a right-to-work state, so at least according to state law, even if the union had been voted in, which in case you missed it, uh, they had to vote this past Friday, and the employees at the Volkswagen facility in a very narrow margin, although… It was practically a landslide compared to the fact that the UAW expected to win. Well, they voted no. They don't want the union. Now, three years in a row, the UAW did not get in to the Spring Hill facility out for the Saturn plant either. It took a while. So understand this. The United Auto Workers Union is not done trying to get into Volkswagen. They will be back. They will make another effort. So this really isn't over, but it's over for now. It's at least another year before they can force a vote. So at the very least, it's interesting that they were so confident going in, and, and they were. They were very confident going in, amazingly so, I thought. But it's being reported in the press like a… Staggering defeat, uh, unprecedented loss that one headline even read. It's absolutely ridiculous. Roy, uh, AG workers voted against union representation at the Chattanooga plant, which uh, had seen. Which had been seen as organized labor's best chance to expand into the U.S. South. Uh, the vote, of course, was 712 to 626. Now, that was uh, the end of a rather long race, as it was portrayed. And it was particularly surprising for the UAW supporters because Volkswagen had allowed the union access to the factory and officially. Stayed neutral on the vote while other manufacturers had been hostile to organized labor. In fact, uh, it's my understanding that the German union that uh, is in Volkswagen back home in Germany was allowed to try and assist the UAW in having their access and garnering support leading up to the vote. But see, here's the thing about manufacturing in Tennessee. Think about manufacturing altogether, quite honestly. There's a reason why these automotive companies are coming to the American South because that's where most of the right-to-work states are, which means even if they become unionized, as long as the company stands strong, they can't turn them into union shops. So you can come in. You can get a job there, and you don't have to join the union to have that job. Now, there are some businesses that choose 
to follow suit with the union and turn their businesses into a union shop. And in those cases, that's technically not a violation of the law, but it has to be by the choice of the business. Most businesses are not going to take that route. They would prefer, even if the union comes into their midst, that uh, most of their employees not join. And that has very little to do with trying to take advantage of the employees, as many anyway. It has a lot more to do with the fact that uh, if you're offering good benefits, the only purpose the union serves then is to take up some of the resources. Union dues aren't cheap, and union demands on the employers aren't cheap. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Either. When you've already got a great deal going, and from all accounts, folks that worked down in Chattanooga, they were happy. They liked the deals they had going on. They liked their rate of pay. They liked the benefits package. They don't feel like they needed union representation. And to me, that's the no-brainer. You know, as a conservative, I have mixed opinions and mixed feelings on a large number of unions. I tend to think that the UAW is one of those unions that has served to destroy the American auto industry. They placed huge unreasonable demands, and because the industry itself was centered around Detroit for so long, and they had such a strong grip on every American manufacturer that was there… These individual companies just went along with what the unions eventually demanded, and they occasionally put up a fight, but in the end, they eventually got whatever it was they wanted. Things like job banks and ridiculously generous pension plans, and don't get me wrong. I'm not against you going out and getting a great pension plan. If you can do it, do it, but I do think… There are certain cases where a union is useful. There have certainly been times in American history where unions were necessary. I don't know that we're at that point in our history anymore. I don't know that we have to have unions in the United States anymore. I, I just don't know. I would like to think they weren't needed anymore across the board. I do think some unions have went a long way towards destroying the industry that the people they're supposed to represent work in. 
The American automotive industry was nearly destroyed. Detroit is in shambles and ruins, and the UAW has a big stake of responsibility in what's happened there. So I think if you've got a great deal going, you don't need a union. Why would you want one? And that's why they got beat here. Most Tennesseans are conservative in nature. Even the more liberal among them tend to be relatively conservative when it comes to financial issues. If you've got a great job or you're getting great pay, you've got good benefits, why do you need to give up part of that pay to go pay union dues? Ultimately, I think that's what happened here. I think the workers got together, and they decided they didn't want to give up union dues. I think that's the source of the loss. But what blew my mind is how so many people who had nothing to do with this were so upset going into it. These people have a right… To get organized if they want to. Now, I, I'm not a big fan of unions, but in the private sector, unions have been known to serve a purpose, and if you want one, then fine. I don't have to buy a product from you when that product becomes extremely overpriced, and you don't have to have a uh, a job. And your union eventually demands so much of your company that they can no longer adequately compete in the marketplace. But that's your choice. So if you're somebody that doesn't have a dog in that fight, leave it be. You can have your comments, and you can make your comment. You can even call up the terrestrial radio station. You can call me up right now if you're listening and you want to say something. And if you catch this on the podcast later, you can go over to tappintothetruth.com, and you can go down near the bottom of the homepage, and you can send me a message and say what you have to say. Chances are I'm going to agree with you if you're not in favor of unions. Chances are I'm going to disagree with you if you are in favor of unions. But chances are we can agree or disagree all we want, and that shouldn't impact whether those individuals at Volkswagen voted yes or no. We should not be asking or expecting our elected representatives to try and stop the unions from coming into Volkswagen. If we want to have a dog in the fight, we should go get a job at Volkswagen, and we should actively campaign amongst our coworkers not to do it. If you do want them there, you should go get a job at Volkswagen, and you should actively campaign amongst your coworkers to vote for them next time. Because, again, like I said, I guarantee you they'll be back again. They don't give up. They just see this as a setback, temporary. And the pressure really is still going to be on Volkswagen and Chattanooga to continue to keep their employees happy enough that they don't change their mind and try to vote a different way. That's all. That's the dog in the fight. 
that's where we should all be. Now, for those of you who are in the chat room, uh, you may have seen uh, a posting from a fellow show host by the name of Gut Spinal Aptitude. Got to tell you, I like the name. Put links uh, both to their show and uh, a link to something else. I'm assuming probably their website uh, in the chat room. Uh, I will check both these links out in a bit, and uh, once I'm done with that, I may go ahead and put them in the show description to make it easier for you to uh, find them if you would like to check it out. In the meanwhile, let's continue in this show. I mean, if somebody wants to stop by and visit, you're welcome to, and if you're promoting a decent enough show, I, hey, I'll let Everybody go check it out for themselves. In the meanwhile, that's the deal. What was surprising to me, you know, people are still talking about this vote today. You know, uh, Bob Corker actually uh, came out and said that uh, he was thrilled over the results. Uh, of course, Bob Corker is U.S. Senator from Tennessee. Another Republican, and he's former mayor of Chattanooga, for those of you not familiar with Tennessee politics. He played a big role as mayor of Chattanooga in helping to get the Volkswagen plant in Chattanooga. About the government's intervening, trying to stop it. I'm afraid to tell you that chances are the government, the government we have, is far more likely to uh, try and help support the expansions of unions. Why? Because most organized labor unions have this awesome way of making campaign contributions to Democratic candidates. That's why so many Democrats support them. They get major campaign contributions, which actually, by the way, guess what comes from those union dues that get paid? So what then becomes the relevance of this fight? Well, number one, Tennesseans showed that they are still mostly conservative at the root, and a majority of them would not fall for the tricks. Some of them simply just didn't want to give up union dues in an effort to try and get a little bit more than what they're already getting. If you're getting a good rate of pay and decent level of benefits, then why? Why would you want to give up part of that pay… When you're already getting a good deal. But also, and I heard very few people make that case, but some people were aware that uh, they didn't want their union dues if they were going to have to pay union dues. They're going to help support 
non-conservative ideas and programs. It really was just that simple. But, you know, to me, uh, folks are acting like that was a major, major landslide victory for the non-union folks. To me, that vote was actually very close, surprisingly so. But again, I keep coming back to this very simple thing. If you really believe in freedom and individual uh, liberty, then you have to be willing to say that the individuals there have the right to have that vote and decide for themselves. I do believe that much. I'm not a big fan of UAW. I think I've already expressed that. But the bottom line there is this. For the folks that were asking for Bob Corker and Lamar Alexander and Desjardins and Fleischman and for our governor, Mr. Haslam, to intervene, come on, guys. That's not their role. That's not their job. That's not what they're there for. And legally, they've already fulfilled their role by working hard to make sure that Tennessee is a right-to-work state. As long as it stays that way, Volkswagen hopefully won't be the last company to move in and pay employees well. So much so that they won't feel the need to vote in a union. So that being said, let's go ahead and shift gears again, shall we? Uh, unless you guys have something that you'd like to uh, call in and, and discuss or uh, throw in a uh, a comment in the chat room in regards to it, we'll just go ahead and shift gears. Another story, a big story that you know we've been suspicious of this kind of thing going on for a while. Somebody finally got caught. Uh, for those of you who have not heard, in Pennsylvania, there's a big debacle over uh, a few judges that were accused of essentially selling troubled teens uh, to these for-profit uh, prisons, for lack of a better word. They weren't really juvenile detention uh, cases. But at any rate... Uh, Former Pennsylvania Judge Mark uh, Cavalia Jr. has been sentenced to 28 years in prison for conspiring with private prisons to sentence juvenile offenders to maximum sentences for bribes and kickbacks, which totaled millions of dollars. He was also ordered to pay $1.2 million in restitution, although I'm not sure that there's any amount of restitution that's going to make this right. If these juvenile offenders did not deserve the maximum sentence, but the judge did this to put more money in his pocket, then there's probably not enough money on the planet to make adequate restitution. Now, in the private prison industry… The more time an inmate spends in a facility, the more of a profit that's reaped from the state. The judge in question was the figurehead in a conspiracy in the state of Pennsylvania, which literally saw thousands of young men and women 
unjustly punished and penalized in the name of, quote, corporate profit. Now, according to allgov.com, this particular judge's cases from the year 2003 up until 2008 were reviewed by a special investigative panel and later by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. It was found that upwards of 5,000 young men and women were denied their constitutional rights, and therefore all of their convictions were dismissed and were summarily released. Justice delayed. Now, during the sentencing, uh, this particular judge happened to be defiant, claiming that… He had broken no laws and claimed the money he received was a legitimate finder's fee. Assistant U.S. Attorney Gordon uh, Zubrod said that comments such as these were typical according to the local reporting of the CitizenVoice.com. Quote, I think that's his way of doing things. Never retreat. Always go on the attack. Always blame somebody else. Always get them to back off. He tried it with the judge. It didn't work. You know, it sounds very familiar for some reason. Who else do we know that never takes the blame? So here's my question to you guys. Is 28 years in prison and $1.2 million in restitution enough? Is that an appropriate Punishment? Does the punishment fit the crime? Is it too much? I'd love to hear what you guys have to say on this. So anybody listening in, please give me a call and let me know what you think. Again, that let me throw that number out to you. That's uh, 347-426-3550, or you can give me a call toll-free at 888-287-5313. Or if you're listening uh, straight off the Blog Talk site… Uh, up by the title is a little a little icon for Skype, and you're more than welcome to hit that. I may accept a Skype call or two, but like I mentioned earlier, I'm just about to the point to stop accepting Skype calls. <laughs> the last several times have been pranksters just having fun, so you know. At any rate. Would love to hear your guys' opinions. Uh, and in the chat room, go ahead and shoot something in there too, because I, for one, I think this probably isn't enough. I think that this guy is getting off easy, especially as defiant as he was in court. This was a legitimate finder's fee. We're not talking about you finding a customer. For a jewelry store or a we buy your gold shop. We're not talking about you signing up for an affiliate program where you collect some of your web traffic and send it to another website. We are talking about young men and women that for whatever reason have found their way into the correctional system. For several of them… Probably their first time. Probably still reachable. Probably, and I keep using that word because you have to have the qualifier. 
I don't know each case, and sometimes by the time they get caught the first time, it's already too late. But in most cases, I would say their first appearance in court, you still have an opportunity to reach these kids and turn their lives around before they become, honest to goodness, hardcore criminals. That being the case, what this judge did – and remember, it's a conspiracy. There are at least two other judges that are also facing charges, and they're still waiting for uh, either their day in court or they're waiting for the end of their court experience. They took these boys and girls. That's what they were. They took them. And they sent them to a private facility for the maximum amount of time, not because they believe, not because he thought it was the best thing for these children, not because he thought it was the best thing for the general public, but because it put more money in his back pocket. He not only used, but he abused his position as a judge profit. And regardless of what you end up doing, anytime a judge does that, it's against the law. But the fact that there is no way to adequately ascertain how many lives were ruined by his actions. How many of these kids are never going to be the same because they either didn't belong in one of these private juvenile prisons or didn't belong in there as long as they were? And in the instances where their constitutional rights had been ignored, this man not only violated the public trust, not only violated individuals' constitutional rights, but this man stole… An unquantifiable amount of life away from these juveniles. There really is no way that we will ever be able to ascertain the level of destruction in these kids' lives because this guy was greedy. So to me, 28 years and $1.2 million, nah, that's not enough. He ought to be spending at least five years for every individual who had their constitutional rights ignored or violated because you know he knows what the constitutional rights are. In the summary report that was released, better than 5,000 
young men and women were denied their constitutional rights. Better than 5,000. How many people went to one of these private prisons that never should have? How many, if they should have went, were there much, much longer than they should have been? I mean, it's bad enough when you have some of these activist judges that think they're doing the right thing and don't want to punish anyone. Oh, it's all right. We'll give you a hug and you'll be better next time. But it's far worse for this greedy, misguided judge who not only had the nerve to do this and profit millions of dollars in the process, but to have the nerve to refer to the bribes and kickbacks as a finder's fee. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but that absolutely makes my blood boil hearing the statement, finder's fee. Oh, oh, you know, it just showed up in court today. Found him. Going to send him to you. Finder's fee. Really? I mean, I get it. Judges get on power trips. I think... Most judges, to start their career, are very forthright and make every effort. You know, of course, I, I tend to try to give folks the benefit of the doubt, period. But I do firmly believe in our judicial system. I know it's flawed, and I know there's hundreds of cases you can pick out where the cops did something wrong or a lawyer did something wrong or the judges screwed up. I mean there's no shortage of these stories because there's still people ultimately, and people are going to make mistakes. But the system itself, it's a good system. It's not perfect. You can't have perfect, but it's a good system. And when the people do what they're supposed to do, typically it works the way it should. There's still exceptions. There are still times where you want to scream, especially if you're personally involved in one of these cases. But of all the people involved in our judicial system… The one person that we have to rely on first and foremost to always want to do the right thing has to be the judge. And far too often we see judges to get off or have much lighter sentences than what an ordinary citizen would have gotten for the same crime because they know how to work the system and because… They have a special category. You know, you wouldn't want to put a former police officer in the general population if they're convicted of crime. You wouldn't want to do the same thing with the judge because there could be someone there that they put there. And I get that. But to have a separate set of rules sometimes leads them to believe that they're above the law, and unfortunately that's exactly what happened here. This guy ruined people's lives for no other reason than to put money in his pocket. But he did it from the bench. He did it day in and day out because 
I don't know how much this finder's fee. And I know you can't see the air quotes, but uh, they're there. Um, hopefully you heard the air quotes. I don't know how much these finder fees were on an individual basis, but for him to have pulled down millions of dollars, they certainly must have been a lot of them. Because this extended beyond just the 5,000 or so cases where the constitutional rights had been denied… It included a ton of other things as well, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is just crazy. So no one wants to comment on it, so I guess we're either all in agreement or you guys just uh, don't disagree with me enough to say so. And in either case, that's fine. We'll go ahead and move on. But uh, yeah, to me… And again, if somebody catches this on the podcast later and wants to send me your comment, again, tap into the truth.com, spelled with two P's, just like it is here at the show. Feel free, down near the bottom of the homepage, send me a message. And uh, if you have some quality comments and something worthwhile, I'll mention them in the next show. I like interaction. Now, that's part of how we can prove that people are actually listening. And somebody calls you up, well, you know somebody's listening. And somebody's in the chat room, you know somebody's listening. But you also know for every person that hears the show live, hundreds and hundreds of people are catching the podcast. Not just here, but also over at iTunes, over at Stitcher.com, and over at TuneIn.com. You can find a tap into the truth at all three. And Get a decent amount of uh, plays on those formats as well. In fact, uh, doing a little better than a lot of folks at TuneIn, uh, from the folks that I've talked to that have their uh, shows archived there as well. So, you know, I'm not to blow my own horn or anything, and not trying to go down that side, but I just uh, let everybody know that I appreciate that as well. But, you know, we when you get on here and you talk for two hours or longer, uh, typically you like to know that somebody's listening and is paying attention enough to have something to say back, whether you agree or not. I'm fine with disagreement, and I won't cut you off uh, unnecessarily either. I just expect that you'll be reasonably respectful and try not to go down the screaming and name-calling venue because it's talk radio, not scream at you to your voices, horse radio. Uh, contest that I promise you that we could get into, and then I can win because I control the little button that says you're on the air or not. But anyway, uh, getting back to the topic, let's uh, let's go ahead and switch gears again. And uh, wanted to go ahead and get to the outrage of the week. I think a lot of you will probably agree with this too. Uh, if you're watching the show live and seeing the player, or if you are at Blog Talk right now and catching a catching the show on podcast, and you're getting to see the video player that goes while the show's on, and you have seen several pictures of Shirley Temple Black. Now, this Black, better known to millions of Americans as Shirley Temple, America's sweetheart. The prototype for the child actor, 
but we lost her this week. She passed away, age 85, I believe it was. She was the literal definition of a national treasure. But more importantly than just being a national treasure, she's also a former ambassador. She was the first woman to be head of protocol for the United States, which was another position that she said. She was an ambassador on two separate occasions under two separate presidents, just two separate locations. She was a very talented singer dancer and actress demonstrated her singing and dancing abilities even as a young child showed she had serious acting chops later on in life when she tried to make uh, an effort back into television and made several guest appearances here and there she was a once in a lifetime unique individual that personified the best of America. But I keep coming back to the fact that she served as a U.S. ambassador. She served her country. She had been a political candidate in the past as well, uh, lost in a special election. U.S. Senate in California to a liberal Republican who happened to support uh, an immediate ending of the Vietnam War. She was a Reagan-type conservative. It would have been a good choice, but it's hard for Republicans of that strong conservative valuation to get elected in California. You know, just not enough folks in the state agree with that mindset. Yeah, but, you know, she was born in California. She was raised in California. She made her early life in California. California was home to her. So I understand not moving somewhere where her more conservative values and mindset might have been better appreciated. I understand. Home is home. Some of us have to move to find home. Some of us are lucky enough to find it early on, and we always know where it is. I was probably as sad to hear about Shirley Temple Black's passing as I was when I heard Andy Griffith. Had died, and Andy Griffith had much more of a direct impact as an entertainer on my life than Shirley Temple did. Shirley Temple was always that cute little girl from those movies that uh, we occasionally saw, and you know I heard in passing that she was an ambassador. A lot of that took place before I really started paying attention to politics, but I knew about it. I'm well informed enough to know. Yes, she had been an ambassador. So what part is the outrage you're wondering at this point? Because, you know, obviously I'm not outraged that she died. I'm saddened, but not outraged. She had lived a very full and productive life. She 
literally lived the American dream. She had been a great example. The outrage came in the fact that there was no order given from the White House to fly flags at half-staff. And I'd like to know why. We had a brilliant shining star who had led a life of service and who had been part of our State Department's Corps of Ambassadors at a point in time before the position could simply be bought and paid for by aiding in campaign contribution or bundling funds for a campaign. Excuse me. She had served this country as an ambassador, and she was worthy of respect. She was a national treasure. She fit the bill far more than Whitney Houston did. You guys remember when Whitney Houston dying of a drug overdose? Well, technically she drowned, but it was the result of a drug overdose. You remember how because she was such an impact on American culture that the flags had to be flown at half-staff to honor Whitney Houston, and don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen, I I was a fan of Whitney Houston's music. I was. I still listening to a good Whitney tune from the uh, late 80s, early 90s. That's kind of when I was into rock music and pop music. And Whitney Houston was big on the scene about that time, and you know, I, I liked me some Whitney Houston. The greatest love of all is uh, an anthem. I'm not going to take a stroll down memory lane right now to start listing all the songs right off the top of my head I can think of from Whitney Houston. But the point was Whitney Houston never served as an ambassador for this country. Whitney Houston died as a result of her life falling apart. Whitney Houston's passing was a tragedy, mostly because it could have so easily been avoided. Those of you who know me well know that back in that same time frame, I was a pretty big New Edition fan. Therefore, I was a Bobby Brown fan. So it absolutely killed me that Bobby Brown had more to do with Whitney Houston's death than... uh, Anything else? Because it was his bad drug habits that really got Whitney into the trouble she was in. But I, I'm not outraged about that right now. I mean, that's a different outrage, and it's certainly not the outrage of the week. But Whitney Houston had flags flown at half staff by order of the occupier of the White House. 
Nelson Mandela. You can make an argument for his importance on the world stage. I also know a lot of hardcore conservatives that make a very strong argument about how he was never anything more than a socialist communist who softened a bit towards violence at the end, but mostly because he was afraid that as he continued to get older, the violence would be too easily turned on him. I've heard that case made, and pretty legitimate points, I might add. But regardless of what you feel like Nelson Mandela's contribution to freedom around the world was, Nelson Mandela not only did not serve the United States in any positive capacity, but he was not even a citizen. Nelson Mandela may very well be considered a national treasure in South Africa for what he managed to do to help to end apartheid, regardless of the means he used to do it. But his influence was felt very little outside of college campuses across the United States. If you are going to fly flags at half-staff for Nelson Mandela or for Whitney Houston, then why, in the name of all that's holy in heaven, were the flags not flown at half-staff for Shirley Temple Black? That's all I want to know. That's what I'm outraged about this week, and I think a lot of other Americans should very well be too, and I'm actually pretty sure they are based on some of the postings I've seen at TeaPartyCommunity.com and a few on Facebook, but Facebook is getting oh so much more and more in the suppression of conservative thought and conservative ideology. I really thought Zuckerberg was… Kind of apolitical, and initially I'm pretty sure he was, but you know, maybe it's not even him. Maybe it's just some of the folks he lets run the show over there as far as actual day-to-day operations at Facebook. But regardless of who, why, or what, the bottom line still keeps coming back to a very simple fact that conservative thought and conservative ideologies are being squashed. At Facebook. TeaPartyCommunity.com, LadyPatriotSpace.com, a couple of great places to go. Highly recommend you check out both of them. Hey, when you're there, send me a friend request. While you're at it, now that we mentioned Facebook, don't forget to uh, like the Tap into the Truth Facebook page. I put links to the, every news story that we talk about here on the show and other news stories of interest. Not all of them political, by the way. Uh, you also can follow us uh, at Twitter. In fact, the easiest way to do both of those, if you want to, is to go to tapintothetruth.com. And at the top of the homepage, there's the little icons where you can do both rather quickly. I invite you to do that, and you can also uh, send me a friend request personally at Tim Tap. Uh, there are several Tim Taps on Facebook, but trust me, you won't have any problem recognizing my American flag and my Tennessee flag icon uh, as my 
But that's it. That's the outrage of the week. Shirley Temple Black, a national treasure, a former member of our State Department. No executive order to fly the flags at half-staff. I don't know what it takes to meet the bar, but whatever it is, must have something to do with skin tone. I don't like flinging those type of accusations because I have them thrown at me far too often just because I oppose democratic ideology. But I don't see any other explanation, so I'm outraged. Also, not exactly an outrage of the week. Uh, headline that you may have missed that I think it's worth uh, discussing, a little segment I like to do. A South Carolina woman was put in jail after failing to return a rented movie nine years ago. So if you've gotten away with it, if you've got a movie you rented a while back and haven't gotten it back and you live in South Carolina, you are on notice now, mister. A South Carolina uh, uh, movie rental – excuse me, easy for me to say. A South Carolina movie renter spent a night in jail this past week after police busted her for failing to return a Jennifer Lopez movie she rented nine years ago. Now, according to WHNS, uh, the scenario unfolded after Kayla Michelle Finley went to the Pickens County Jail in the northwestern tip of the state Thursday to report for an unspecified crime. But instead, she got charged with one herself. She she went there to report a crime. Whatever she was reporting was not… Released in any of the reports, so don't know how that's went. But when she got there, she's like, you know what? Uh, actually, we've got this warrant here, Miss Finley. Uh, you're under arrest. Now, according to the news station, it cites Finley's arrest warrant uh, in writing that the 27-year-old woman had rented Monster-in-Law, a so-called romantic comedy pairing uh, Jennifer Lopez and Jane Fonda. They, of course, garnered a single star on Rotten Tomatoes back in 2005. And quite honestly, I think that one full star was probably a bit much. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie or not. Not one of Jennifer Lopez's best. And I guess I'm not really much of a fan for anything starring Hanoi Jane anyway. But at any rate, she reportedly rented this movie uh, from the now defunct Dalton Video. And she never returned the video cassette. Uh, also, according to WHNS, the store's former owner, PJ Dalton, had taken the matter to court nine years ago and gotten a judge to issue a warrant. Now, my question is why didn't they just issue a judgment and uh, have her simply pay the fee? For returning it late or replacing the movie. 
what the cost would have been. At any rate, the matter remained a cold case until Thursday when she went and she was reporting this undisclosed crime. Well, they ran a check on her, and, uh, well, they turned up this, this warrant. So according to her warrant, Finley reportedly was mailed several warnings by Dalton, and then finally documentation of the court action. But uh, she now claims she never received any of the correspondence. It's obvious that Pickens County has nothing better to do, Finley was quoted to say. Uh, quote, I fully intend on fighting this. It's ridiculous. I had this happen to me. Finley is, of course, charged with what's officially listed as petite larceny, and more specifically, the now seemingly archaic charge of failure to return a video or cassette. The charge is a misdemeanor, and the police told the news station that they had no choice but to serve the warrant for her arrest, no matter how old or outmoded. So uh, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. If you're living in South Carolina and you haven't returned all of your videos, you might want to get that done before you run into the same issue. Now, I wanted to add a new segment to the show starting uh, today in honor of this is officially being the one-year anniversary on Blog Talk, uh, technically tomorrow to the date, but since I don't broadcast on Mondays, this is the uh, anniversary broadcast. So, again, for those of you who have been with me from the start, thanks for listening. Uh, for those of you who have been with me for a while longer than that, you know that I didn't start here at Blog Talk, but uh, certainly enjoy being on Blog Talk. I still do the show over at Spreaker as well, although uh, the personal issues being what they are, I have not been very active there in the last week or so. But all that put to the side, wanted to add a new feature, and that new feature is, of course, Trending now. For those of you who read the uh, show description, then you probably know about it. But uh, the big deal here is, as we were mentioning Facebook earlier, Facebook has added a trending section. It's over on the right-hand side of the page, uh, not quite down the current feed lines and your friends who are online right now section, whatever, what have you. But uh, so close to your own page timeline, trending. And they list four or five things. And then if you click on one of them, uh, whatever you clicked on, you'll get to see all the different postings about what's trending. And then there's an extended level of trends. So what I wanted to do is let you know what's trending right now on Facebook. Facebook taking a page out of Twitter because Twitter's been doing the trending for quite a while. Trending now. Hashtag blah, blah, blah. I want to take a look at it because I think it's going to be interesting over time to see what's going on with it, but also because these are the people we're trying to reach. You know? These are the people that 
conservatives need to be in touch with so that we can win them over to conservatism, help them to understand that the idea is to be helpful. A rising tide raises all boats. But we have to know how they think. We have to know what's important to them. We have to figure out how to get our topics, our activities, our events, our talk shows, into this trending section. So you have to take a look at it. So right now, this very moment, trending on Facebook, Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Charlie Sheen has engaged, had gotten engaged to a porn star, one of his little girlfriends. That, at this very moment, is the top trending story on Facebook. Uh, second, Marty McFly. A Nike designer says that Marty McFly's power laces are coming next year. Now, for those of you that don't know the reference, that's from the Back to the Future, the Michael J. Fox movies, uh, where uh, in Back to the Future 2, where he went into the future to try and save his children, or at least his son, at any rate, had some Nike tennis shoes where they literally had power laces. They tied themselves. They weren't like loose laces like what we deal with now, but uh, they were interesting. So there you go. Marty McFly's power laces coming next year. Also trending right now, Westboro Baptist Church. Really? Can we get rid of these guys? Uh, Missouri students stand with Sam to block Westboro Church protests. That's the headline. Uh, the Slam Dunk Contest, that's for the NBA's Slam Dunk Contest, Wizards Wall East sweeps Slam Dunk honors. I used to love watching uh, the Slam Dunk competition, even more than the All-Star Game when I was a kid. Uh, that's just an aside. Uh, Jim Henson, uh, John Henson, the son of Muppets creator Jim Henson, uh, dies of a sudden heart attack at age 48. Internet homicide. Jailed Craigslist killer claims responsibility for at least 22 murders. Something tells me we'll probably be talking a little bit about that in the not-too-distant future. Uh, Ryan Dempster. Ryan Dempster will set out the 2014 season. The Weekend. The Weekend releases Drunken Love Remix. Daytona International Speedway. Hamlin wins Sprint Unlimited. So there you have it. That's what's trending right now on Facebook. So that concludes Trending Now. Hope you found some level of value to that. And what I want to do, I want to start doing that all the time, towards the end of the shows, just so that we can kind of look and see what kind of an impact from week to week that it has, see what kind of stories continue to trend, maybe even to see if we can start impacting. Through the use of hashtags, conservatives have been able to influence how Twitter has trended. And it is an absolute joy to know that we can impact it once we became aware of it and decided to try to make a difference. Hopefully, 
We can do the same thing on Facebook. If we can start getting some of our ideas and our common sense approaches trending on Facebook, maybe we can push back some of what Facebook is up to as far as trying to silence conservatives. Also, let me go ahead and send a shout-out to Randy Ellis, local politician, a county commissioner in Harriman, which is near Rockwood, for those of you who aren't familiar with the area. It's one of our neighboring cities. Today happens to be his birthday, so happy birthday wishes to Randy Ellis. And uh, outside of that, I think watching these trends over time, if we can't influence them, at least we should be able to get a better idea of how we need to package our own message. Because ultimately, that is our biggest challenge is in overcoming the packaging that the so-called progressives keep putting in the way. Oh, you don't want to vote for Republicans because they're evil. You don't want to... You don't want to vote for Republicans because they're mean. They don't care about anybody but big business and themselves. Got to get past that. We're closing in in the last few minutes of the show. So again, I wanted to thank everybody that listened today and everybody that participated both on air and in the chat room. I want to give special thanks to uh, Lady Michelle and uh, Larry at the Prime Directive for uh, engaging as well as they do. Uh, Lady Michelle having some issues with her modem today, so hope you get that worked out soon. It's uh, difficult to stay online without a good modem. <laughs> at any rate, uh, I do want to thank everybody. And I want to remind everyone also that we will be back again next Sunday. But uh, I have to close the way I always do, and that is, plain and simple, always remember, don't take my word for it, but uh, definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Take a little time, do your own research, and always be prepared to put in at least a little bit of effort if you really want to tap into the truth. That's it for this week. I hope last week was a good week for you, and I hope this upcoming week is an even better one. Again, uh, please keep me and my family in your thoughts and prayers as we move forward in facing the inevitable. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you all again next Sunday. That's it. Thanks. See you next week.
Down 